Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 480. And today I am excited. I am fired up because we are going to sit down with an eight figure seller and he is going to share how he started and grew his business. And he's also going to talk about how he's doing it in today's world because things have changed since he started. All right, we're going to hear all of the lessons learned. We're also going to hear about how his first product failed. I think we all want to hear about that, right? Well, this guy is a pretty cool guy. His name is Bernie Thompson. I met him at Sellers Summit, Steve Chu's event. Uh, we hit it off. Uh, it was pretty cool sitting next to an eight-figure seller and being able to pick his brain, and that's exactly what we did. But the cool thing about Bernie is he's just a laid-back, really easygoing guy, but he knows business. And he also knows that with business comes challenges and struggles, and he's not willing to give up and that's what I think makes us entrepreneurs different, right? We were able to go out there, get started, take massive action, which you're going to hear how he did and how he failed in the beginning and then how he kind of turned that around and how he still fails today, you know, and he's okay with that. Like it's part of the process. And I think it's really cool to be able to dig into a larger business, see how they think, see how they operate, but also see that they also can continually improve their business. And I think that's really key here to pay attention to because you would think, oh, someone's at eight figures, they've got it all figured out. No, Bernie's going to tell you, no, that's that's not the case. We're always figuring things out. So really excited to share this, this conversation that I had with Bernie. You're going to learn a ton. Like I said, pay attention to a lot of the little details that we cover because those are the ones that I really drilled into. And some of those are kind of like, well, you know, what makes a product fail in, in your eyes? What do you do next with that? What do you do for product launches in today's you know world? You know, do you focus on just your e-commerce and not as much on Amazon? Like all of those things we drill really, really deep into. So actually, before we do jump in, I want to remind you that if you want to download the show notes to this episode, the transcripts, get all the links, everything that we talk about, all the resources, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 480, and you can grab all of the goodies over there. All right, so I'm going to stop talking so we can listen to this conversation that I have with an eight-figure seller and a cool guy, Bernie Thompson. Enjoy. Hey, Bernie, what's up, man? How you doing? Hi, Scott. Great to be on with you. Yeah, this is this is fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. You and I met at Steve's event, Steve Chu, uh, our mutual friend at Sellers Summit last year. And it was last year, right? Not the year before. It was last year, right? It was last year, May. Yeah. Yeah. I'm losing track of time. It's going by so fast. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we had a, we had some uh, some good time uh, together there chatting and, and talking. And uh, what I really like about you is you're, you're a down-to-earth guy. You wouldn't know it by looking at you that you're a pretty successful seller. Not saying you're not successful looking, by the way, Bernie, but you know, you're, <laughs> you're just a regular guy, but you know, you run a pretty successful business. You've been doing it for a long time. And I, I mean, successful, I mean, we're in the eight figure range. So, you know, when you can sit down at a table and talk to someone that's doing those kind of numbers, you kind of want to pay attention. So, uh, yeah, that's really what I want to do, though, Bernie. I want to kind of just get on and kind of introduce you to the TAS audience, but then also dig into your backstory, but then also how you got to where you are today and maybe even talk about like how the platform has changed and, and kind of like what you are doing or what you would even do differently starting in today's world of e-commerce. Sound cool? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. So why don't you get us started? Why don't you tell us a little bit about Bernie? 
Well, you know, uh, we are different as a seller. You know, kind of what, you, what you're highlighting is, is true. Uh, you know, so pl- Pluggable Technologies is the uh, company that I, that I run that is the, uh, you know, the eight-figure selling business. And, you know, it wasn't started that long ago, 2009. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that's different about us is it really uh, was started as an electronics company first, and then Amazon actually was a secondary strategy that really was all about kind of uh, letting us focus on the technology and the customers and kind of outsourcing the rest. So uh, so we backed into Amazon rather than kind of starting with Amazon first and then figuring out what products to do. We had a product vision uh, and then backed into Amazon. Uh, so, yeah, 2009, which was a great time to start a selling business. I mean, it was it was a green field at that point. Um, you know, we we looked at eBay and Amazon at the time and and with FBA and some of the other things that had, FBA had really just kind of gotten off the ground at that mm. point. Um, you know, we we you know saw that, OK, wow, all these pieces are coming together where, you know, this vision of of um, getting a pretty complex, substantial business off the ground is possible because we can outsource a bunch of uh, aspects of that that we're no good at, like Mm. sales and marketing, frankly, uh, and outsource that to Amazon. But of course, now every single year it's changed. I mean, the the Amazon picture has been so dynamic. I mean, Jeff is successful in his vision of, you know, kind of uh, making it the most competitive marketplace in the world. Mm. Uh, and, And that highly competitive aspect means everyone is just constantly thinking, everyone's constantly innovating on the platform. And so certainly we've uh, you know, struggled and, and, uh, but yet ultimately been successful at, uh, keeping, uh, a strategy going or a set of evolving strategies, um, that have uh, meant that we've grown every single year that, uh, since we've been in existence since 2009. Yeah. I, I love it. How you talk about, like you, you came up with like your business in a sense, uh, before you started thinking about where you were going to, be selling necessarily like you're just thinking to yourself like okay we're gonna we're gonna create a brand we're gonna serve a market and we're gonna i mean it's online right like there's there's uh you know there's different platforms looking at different ones ebay amazon whatever my own you know uh e-commerce store whatever but you weren't thinking right off the bat like how am i going to go over and just win on amazon or how am i going to go over there and win on ebay you thought about what you were going to be selling to a specific market and then you kind of plugged that in to these different platforms that made your job a little bit easier where you could focus more on the company more than, you know, the platform itself, which I, I really like that. Let me ask you this though, Bernie. So, and I know a lot of people will be wondering this. So where do you get the idea of even the company that you want to start? Let's start there. Like, where does that, like you're sitting there one day and you're like, Oh, you know what? I want to start this company. Like, where does that come from? I think everyone likes to know, like, how do you get inspired by that idea that turns into a business? Yeah, I think it's always great for people, you know, to take the threads of their lives, their interests, their experiences, maybe where they have something to bring to the table. Um, and, and they combine those things, you know, into a set of business ideas. Um, it requires uh, patience, even when you have a few stars aligning, uh, you know, you also need to add to that, uh, you know, a huge amount of kind of persistence and patience. But, uh, you know, in my case, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a technology geek. You know, I, I started my career working at IBM on a operating system called OS2 back in the early uh, 1990s. Nice. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, kind of old style tech geek going back a long time. Uh, you know, I worked at Microsoft on Windows, actually managed the USB and Bluetooth teams. Oh wow! Uh, in Windows at Microsoft, right? 
So, so the products that sell pluggable cells are all in that area. We basically have a complete USB product line of over a hundred different USB products. Um, we're on the cutting edge of technology. We're, you know, we're members of the USB implementers forum. We, you know, we kind of network with all the chip companies. So we're, you know, we're really a technology company first. So that all comes from, you know, my background. Uh, you know, that's that's what I'm interested in. That's what I care about. And you know, the the actually the pluggable name uh, was a name that I actually set aside uh, almost 15 years ago. Wow. Um, you know, where the, the the kind of the founding idea of the company is with the March of Moore's Law. You know, it's it's things are going to keep shrinking, and uh, kind of what's inside your computer is going to matter less and less. And what you really are interested in is the things that you connect on the outside. Mm. And, and that vision actually really has come uh, to full fruition now, kind of in the time frame the pluggable's been around since 2009, because uh, we had USB 3.0 come out and, and, and pretty much anything that was you know, performance limited, almost anything, you know, USB 3.0 could do it. And now we're doing all these Thunderbolt 3.0 products, which completely is exactly... Uh, electrically, it, it actually uses the PCI bus, which is the uh, te technology inside your computer that things connect and literally exposes that on the outside. So this, so Plugable was kind of built on a technology vision that is playing out. Um, and again, that goes to the thing of, you know, we're an electronics company first and an Amazon seller second. But you know, everybody has something like that. Sure. Everybody has a set of background experiences, places they've worked, people they know, things they care about. Uh, and, you know, I think if you're going to build a company, a brand um, that is going to be, uh, you know, kind of continue growing and kind of have a, have a long term vision, you know, it's got to be built on those things because, you know, you do have to have a few advantages that align and it does have to be something that you love to some degree. Uh, you know, how do you get a business to eight figure? Well, it can't but just be one product. It's, mm. it's got to be kind of a whole area that you care about. Uh, so, so if your if your goal is kind of getting to this size, you know, one of the things I you know I'd, I'd advise is you know just kind of you know sit down and and think about what you care about and what you bring to the table, and you know try to find uh, you know that area of products, not just one product, uh, where all those things align. I love that. I mean. You know, I talk a lot about that as far as like, you know, everyone has something that they've either been, you know, good at in the past or that they've enjoyed or that they've worked for a company kind of like you or you, you enjoyed it to a certain degree, uh, you know, and you kind of did that stuff on your spare time, too. It's kind of like if, you know, it, it was an interest of yours, but also it was a job of yours. And uh, I mean, everyone, I think, can tap into something if they dig a little bit deeper rather than just thinking about the next you know, fidget spinner that they can launch to make a buck, right? If that's the case, then to me, it's like, go out there and just be like, uh, you know, kind of like a product flipper, you know, go out there and find stuff at a bargain and flip it and kind of do this little side hustle thing. Like it's not a true, true business or a true, true brand um, like you are. And, and I like that because I think moving forward, then it's like, where do you take your business and plug it into a certain, you know, marketplace uh, and, and try to, you know, get more exposure in a sense. So I absolutely love that. And I'm so glad that you said that. Uh, and I also like it that you said like multiple products in, in, in a certain area. Like if you're yep. starting a brand and you can't think of like three products that you would serve, you're probably not in the right market or you probably haven't done enough homework because there should be multiple products that you could serve to that same customer or at least that same area of the market. Um, and I think as you start to, to grow, you'll see too that having 
a bunch of different products is also going to give you, you know, diversification where you're not relying on just one product. Like you said, like, like us, you know, be a 2.0 and then there's 3.0 and then there's Thunderbolt and all these different things. Like, well, some of those other ones are probably eventually maybe phasing out more so than the more current ones and, and vice versa. Um, and, but you have that stuff kind of covered. Um, which I, I, I really, really like that. Let me ask you this though. So when you first get this idea of doing this, where do you think first that you're going to enter the market? Like where, like you had to start with one product. Like, so like, where do you think that you want to get started? And what, what was that experience like? Because, you know, you're starting from someone that was working in the field, but you didn't really necessarily create your own products in a sense. Um, so how do you attack that in 2009? Yeah, no, it's interesting because the first product was a failure. Uh, so, yeah, in 2009, uh, you know, I, I left the, the company I was at previously, a company called uh, DisplayLink, in August. And my goal was to have a product launched uh, within a month. Oh, wow. So, obviously, I was not going to do any kind of ground up electrical engineering or anything like that. So, I had this, I had a particular thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to take uh, a, a regular USB laptop docking station. Uh, and turn it into a thin client where you could connect a bunch of them into a single PC to turn one PC into many. Okay. And, and I knew how to do this from a software perspective. Uh, I had actually been playing around with it on, on kind of prototyping on Linux. And so the first um, implementations were going to be on Linux. So it's a very niche, very mm -hmm. kind of low, you know, low level tech, not a, not a huge market. Um, but you know, I, I kind of charged at it and, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure at first whether Pluggable was going to be a broad product company or whether Pluggable was going to be a USB thin client company. Mm. And, so, and so I get I actually succeed in doing what I aim to do. I, I got it out, uh, you know, in a month and I had a set of um, instructions for how to get it working on Linux. And I had a few people, you know, who had who had gone and done that. And even though it was pretty niche, it was pretty cool. Most people had not seen this, that mm -hmm. this was even possible, that you could plug, you know, a bunch of USB docking stations into a PC and, and turn one PC into many. So, so it was kind of talk worthy. It was sure. publicity worthy. Uh, I gave a, I gave a talk at a, at a Linux kernel conference and, you know, Linus Trevalds was there and, and all this kind of stuff at that time. Um, but as with a, with a lot of th products that are innovative, um, you know, you, you, you have the problem of, okay, I got to get the product working, but then you have the, the problem of educating the market. That's something that the market does not realize is possible, mm. you know, is possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, classic marketing comes in and, and, uh, you know, and that's not, uh, where, you know, personally I bring strength to the table. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, basically over the next six to 12 months, well, basically over the next six months, uh, you know, we were looking at the sales, we were looking at the amount of publicity we're getting, um, and, and saw that this was failing, you know, that we, we just simply, uh, uh, for what we were doing, unless we took a radically different approach with marketing, uh, this was too niche, uh, and was not going to take off. And so I, I remember a conversation that spring. So maybe about six months after launching with it, with a good friend of mine, very, very smart guy, you know, and I said, you know, gosh, you know, what should I do? Should I kind of double down, go deep here and, and really kind of make this thing work? Or should I go wide and just kind of, you know, launch a lot of simpler products uh, and, and not focus on this USB thin client space? And, and my friend's advice was, was very wise advice. He said, Bernie, really you're one person, you know, using a bunch of kind of contract resources and stuff. 
you can't go wide. You need to focus on one thing, do one thing well, uh, and, and that's the way you're going to be successful. And, uh, you know, I just remember that advice because I struggled with it. Mm-hmm. And, and then obviously I, I, I made the opposite decision. I, you know, I said, okay, to really go deep here, I'm, I'm going to have to go deep into areas where I'm not strong. I understand this technology. I understand a lot of little opportunities all over this technology to do a few things better. Um, I'm going to go wide. And so we went wide and immediately started, you know, getting traction in a few different places, a few different products, and and the, you know, Pluggable became the company that it became today. So it could have been a USB thin client company, but actually that and and that was the focus, and that failed. And so we we you know kind of shifted direction and became a different company. So okay, so let me understand this. So your friend gave you advice to go deep. You ignored it. You went wide, and that's what your company is today. And that was good advice. Um, well, okay, it was good advice. I guess it. Could could have been really good advice if you followed it and it was successful. But right now, I'd say, you know, you going the opposite way was a, was a pretty good idea. And here's my thought on that, though, too. And, and kind of, what, you know, what you brought up is like when you have to really educate the market and you're trying to create your own part of the market or a really small part of the market and educate people that aren't familiar, it will be harder to sell because you're not just searching for something and seeing it and going, that's what I need, right? And I think, I mean, even going back to like watching shows on TV like Shark Tank or watching, uh, you know, The Prophet or any of these shows, right? They're always talking about if you have to do a lot to explain what the product does, it's going to be a lot harder for the general public to buy it or want it. You have to, you have to almost make that, that, uh, you know, that need or that want there by showing them that it can do this to make your process easier or whatever. It's a cool thing. You got to see this thing. And whenever they say that, they're always a little reluctant to do a deal because they don't want to have to spend all the money and all of the time educating. They want it to be like, they see it, they know what it does. Let's buy it. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, what you kind of did. You kind of went after more products that were like, we know what they do. People know what they do. They see it. You know, you might make a better version of it, but then they know what they want. They're going to get it. They buy it. They're happy. And then they might buy three, four other products down the line with you guys. Is that kind of the way we're looking at it now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it, you know, that's, that's right. The last part you were saying there is kind of the key to, you know, as you go from six to seven to eight figure, you know, very large businesses, it's that brand synergy. Mm-hmm. You know, it is that in a, in a multiple product line, um, you know, initially they'll discover us because of one need that they have and one pluggable product that they end up choosing. Uh, and then that leads us back, them back to us. Sometimes, mm-hmm. You know, through Amazon, sometimes through, you know, marketing, uh, list building, sure. funnel management, you know, which, you know, you know, I often say, you know, we're 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 almost like an anti marketing company. So, Scott, every time I watch one of your podcasts, I'm like, oh, God, you know, we're, we're very <laughs> successful, but there's all these things we're doing so terribly. We got to do better, uh, you know, so. Uh, all of that stuff is relevant. And, uh, you know, as you as you build a multiple product brand, you really do start getting brand synergies where mm. these 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 efforts that you just have to be so persistent about the progress seems so slow at first. Mm. It does snowball. It snowballs for a single product and then it snowballs for multiple products across the whole branded line. Yeah, no, I I love that. And it's it's so true because the way I think about it is like with anything, the more opportunities you have to bring someone in that's related to, you know, that 
that market or that thing, you have a greater chance of, you know, widening the net in a sense to where you're going to capture people at different, you know, at different times or different places they are in that journey or, or what they're searching for that day. Um, so I, I really, I really like that. I mean, it's as simple as like, I mean, like an iPhone case, right? Like, I mean, there's thousands of people out there selling those things, but there's one brand that I really like, and it's not even like an, I think it's a private labeler, but I love the brand. And I buy all their stuff because I just love the product, the quality. I love the way it fits. Uh, it's it's like my third one I've had on three different phones. Now they they also sell the the glass shield that goes over it. I buy their brand because it's quality. So it's one of those things. Like I stick with it if I'm happy with the product. And I think you're doing the same exact thing. And we yep. can reach people from different searches when they're searching for different things. Like if I'm searching for a glass protective screen and I see them and I'm like, oh wait a minute, I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna try it. And then I see that they sell cases. I might buy the cases. Or I might buy, maybe they, maybe they do sell, uh, you know, maybe an attachment, uh, for it that goes on, uh, my exercise bike or whatever, right. That I might buy that. So it's kind of brings me into their space. And then if they have multiple products, that's naturally going to, you know, increase their sales. And it, like you said, it's going to take time though. It's a slow process and you have to have that patience. And I'm glad that you said that because it is so true. People think that you just wake up one day and automatically you're at six, seven, and then eight figures. It's, it's, it's a journey. And, uh, and you're, you're constantly, I, I think learning the process. And like you said, there's things that you're doing right now in your business, that you know, you could probably do better, but it Absolutely. takes time, but you also got to figure out what is working right now and then focus on that and, and your strengths and all that stuff. So I'm glad that you said that. Cause a lot of people be like, Oh, eight figures. They're, they're set. They're just sitting back and just, uh, rocking in their chair and saying, this is a great day. No, you're always thinking about things that you can learn or improve inside your business. Um, no, it, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, every single product is, is a war that has many, many battles within it and whether the product's successful, uh, you know, or a failure, um, you know, we were talking about the brand synergy stuff, you know, it plays out in all kinds of different ways that you can't just sit back on, like you're saying, you've got to mm. pay attention, you know, Amazon search, you know, if you, uh, if Amazon begin, you know, there is some effects in the A9 search engine where as a, that, that are kind of associated with your selling account and with your brand. So sure. if you develop a strength in a certain area for a certain set of keywords, it does have a statistical halo effect on other similar products that you launch mm. for a for a9 search and then you know on top of that there's the human element of it like you were describing the exact effect you know if you do a search you know for a bunch of screen protectors and that brand that you'd know and you trust is maybe a few positions down in search you know but your eyes see it, it you know they come sure. up high enough where you see that product you're going to skip by all those other brands that you know nothing about and go for that one that you trust. Absolutely. Uh, and so their, their organic position may be position five or whatever, but because of their brand strength, um, they've got a certain number of customers that are going down to five and, you know, and, and choosing that product. And that's actually going to pull them up in organic search. Mm. So again, you know, brand synergy effect. Uh, and then there's all the lists, you know, that they've built, you know, hopefully they've been doing some marketing where they've been gathering, you know, emails and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Facebook pixels and, um, you know, uh, Google remarketing, um, on, you know, all of those screen protectors they've been selling so that when they launch, uh, you know, the next one, um, they'll be able to have an audi audience that they can remarket to either through, you know, Facebook and Google ads or through, you know, direct email. Um, and so, yeah, that's where a lot of our, focus is, is as, as we look across our business in all of those different aspects, you know, we are always seeing things that 
we are doing well in and things where we are, you know, just not doing the right things yet. Mm. Like we just, we just launched, um, so we have a, we have a tool set that, that we develop kind of originally for ourselves and then we offer to other sellers and we just launched a funnel manager where, um, when we do collect a list, like one of, one of the great ways that we collect lists because we tend to do actually new products that, that haven't existed before sure. is we, we actually have some pre-sale list gathering where, Hey, you're interested in this. We'll let you know when it launches, you know, give us your email and we're actually kind of quite successful at that. And we, we've had success with Kickstarters in the past, which are kind of similar. You, you end yeah, up with very a, similar, yeah. Yeah, email list out of that. So, uh, you know, we, we now have uh, software use, and this is actually something that uh, Amazon exposes through the uh, MWS API, where we can push those lists into our software, just upload all those emails, and, and we tag them and say where they came from. And we'll uh, actually call the APIs to match those um, to any Amazon orders that came out of those. So then we end up knowing which of those customers that, that said they were interested in a presale actually bought it. Mm. Uh, and that's powerful because yeah. now we, you know, now we have a, you know, it's really our customer. We, you know, we brought that customer to, to, to Amazon because they came to us first with their, you know, and kind of signed up for the presale on our landing page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we have now a direct line to that customer because it's our customer. Yeah. So, uh, so are, are you, are you then doing that kind of like a Kickstarter, like you would, are you kind of like you're marketing it in a sense to where you're like, Hey, this product isn't here yet, but it's going to be, um, if you're interested in, in, uh, being, uh, you know, notified when it goes live, let us know. And do you tell them that there might be a discount or there's something that they're going to get, or do you just, the promises that you're going to get it before everyone else? Yeah, it's, uh, we've, we do typically do discounts, okay. uh, but we of, often don't need to promise that. Um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're kind of at one, one of the advantages of scale is we're actually uh, doing products that, uh, you know, we'll get press reviews of the product, gotcha. uh, you know, even prior to launch. And then, you know, those press review, the people reading those, uh, you know, articles in an online magazine or whatever, you know, will end up coming to look for the product and then we'll say, you know, launching in the future, I, we try to be careful about promising launch dates because sure. often, you know, th- those are unpredictable. Um, but you know, if you're interested, just sign up here and yeah. And, and, and so a lot comes from that. I love that. So let me ask you this though. So then when you're building that list now, a lot of people would say, okay, well, Bernie, you've got like your own website, you've got your own e-commerce, you've got like all that stuff. You've got other platforms that you're selling on. Like, so now do you take that launch list or even a portion of it and then when you roll out that product do you drive those sales through amazon to boost the uh you know your your ranking and all that stuff or do you do you mix it do you do half and and sell half on your own or what's what's your strategy there yeah i mean yeah this is amazon is just so brilliant uh in a kind of nefarious kind of way so (laughs) right (laughs) um you know, I think we're all desperate to get diversified away from Amazon. Uh, you know, Amazon's so risky. I mean, Amazon is, you know, got this, you know, gigantic hammer of suspension that they use, whether it's, you know, a small issue or a big issue that it seems like the only tool they have is to suspend sales of that product or Mm -hmm. suspend that seller. Um, you know, so they, they really, you know, they, uh, they're a, they're a tough platform to sell on. They compete with you. I mean, our number one competitor, is Amazon basics, hmm. right? So, so we're competing with the platform we sell on. So we have every motivation in the world to get diversified away from Amazon. Sure. And yet to answer your question, we send a hundred percent of that traffic to Amazon. Hmm. Why? 
because we want every single bit of, you know, the way Amazon's designed their system is traffic begets traffic, sales begets sales. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if we don't, you know, drive that traffic to Amazon, we are giving up a much larger opportunity, uh, you know, from kind of spinning up the flywheel on that ASIN on that product. Sure. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so we send, uh, you know, uh, today 100% of the sales to Amazon. We don't split it. We don't keep the sales to ourselves because we know that it, that early in a product life cycle, uh, every sale that we can generate on Amazon is both kind of necessary. The, the best product in the world at the best price will sit in obscurity on Amazon unless you have a, a strategy to drive traffic to it. Mm. Uh, and that each one of those real customers that you send to Amazon in those early days of a product will pay off multiple times in terms of additional customers that Amazon will bring you through, you know, keyword search and, and, you know, just their, their massive ownership of the sure. buying audience, especially here in the U S. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. So we send a hundred percent of it to Amazon. Yeah. Well, and, and that's not the, that's not the first time I've heard that I've, you know, talked to many, you know, fortune 500 companies that are doing the same exact thing. And it's funny, uh, you know, this, this one guy that I, that I, uh, become pretty good friends with now and, and he runs their, their marketing, uh, for their Amazon division, uh, now, which never existed. And now they have that. And he's kind of brought it on. He said, let me prove to you that doing it this way will, will benefit you and will add, you know, probably millions to the bottom line. And that's what he's done. And, and it, it was hard for them at management or, you know, at the, you know, the main office, right. For them to understand that we want to drive traffic and pay more, you know, per sale that we're going to pay in, in, you know, fees, but it will be worth it because we will rank organically and they will be, they will re reward us for that. And once he started to prove that that system uh, and that plan, uh, then it was like, OK, we get it. You know, go ahead and do what you got to do. Um, and, and it's true. It's like what we're doing is we're trying to give Amazon what they want, which is like you said, is traffic and sales, right? Sales ultimately. And from there, obviously, it's got to be a good product because, you know, very soon, if it's not a good product, you will be you'll be uh, known for that as well. And you'll start to lose your rank. Um, but, yep. you know, you want you want that right. You want to get ranked so you can start getting all of that exposure that comes with getting those sales. Um, and it's worth it. And a lot of people are like, yeah, but wait a minute, I could drive them over to my own website and I could save 15 or 18%. It's like, well, wait a minute here though. That's your cost of, of like your promotion when you're first launching. It's kind of like a grand opening sales the way I look at it. It's like, you're going to spend on that grand opening sale. This is what you're doing to do it. Let me ask you this. Um, cause there's been some talk here recently, um, because a lot of people in the day back in the day, uh, you know, we're giving away product for almost free to kind of do this and kind of game the Amazon system. We've never been a fan of that. Um, we've always done it where the max that we'll ever give off is 50%, but we've been leaning more towards the 25 to 30% during a launch. Um, but now we're hearing that uh, Amazon is starting to figure that into the algorithm that if there's coupons giving out, given out to, uh, you know, for a product and they are over a certain threshold of a percentage, uh, they're not seeing the uh, the boost or they're not seeing a change in the ranking. It's not like it's not being accredited towards their their rank. Have you heard anything or seen anything of this? So you know, we've never done those deep discounts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're so odd. I mean, we never paid for review services. Mm -hmm. We've never done big discounts. We the most the largest discounts we do are basically twenty five percent. Okay, uh, and and that's unusual. We normally do you know twenty or fifteen. Okay, so um, 
so we haven't experienced it ourselves. So I, I've probably just seen the same things you've seen of people reporting that on the forums. Yeah. You know, frankly, I'm, I'm kind of glad they're doing it because, you know, the, the, the deep, deep discounts, the 80 or 90 percent discounts, um, potentially I could see Amazon really encouraging that and making everyone unprofitable because it's, you right. know, you're, you're, it's always the new guys giving away stuff, you know, and, and then they, they destroy the margins, you know, for the whole market. Right. Um, so in a way, I'm kind of glad that they, uh, you know, maybe maybe are applying some of the same algorithms that they began applying. I know a year ago with discounts and reviews, you know, where uh, when a discount was over uh, and, and they would never, you know, kind of sure. say the number uh, t- definitively, but somewhere around 40 or 50 percent. Um, any discount above that and the reviews, which previously were ver- uh, marked as verified reviews, now no longer had that verified marking. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I could just imagine them, you know, tucking in, you know, a little bit of um, search adjustment, uh, you know, along with that other disincentive um, if they felt the other disincentive wasn't working enough. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard with Amazon. I mean, I think. Another reason why, you know, we we kind of spend a lot of time on tools, you know, like our efficient era tools is Amazon won't tell you anything definitively. So you've got to kind of reverse engineer everything. So I think all of us are watching the forums, hearing other people's experiences, but also knowing that those are just anecdotes and they could be deceptive. And so we really we've got to kind of look at the data. Um, But yeah, on this on this heavy discounting thing, because we don't actually do it ourselves. I don't think we got great data on that. Yeah. And me neither. Uh, I'm just hearing from other people. But it's usually like, well, yeah, I went to a a group, not even a review group anymore. Let's just call it like a discount group. Right. But was a review group. But then now they've changed it or whatever. And I've used this this uh, this group and I've and I've given away 100 of my products at 75 percent off or something like that. And I'm always like, well, I can't help you there because number one, I don't do that. And, uh, you know, for anyone that is doing it, I, you know, there are the reviews going to stick. I don't know. Are they even going to be able to be posted? Don't know, because I've been kind of told that you can't even leave a review if you've had a product that's been discounted over, you know, 50, 60% now. So I don't know. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't really care to be honest with you because that's not our strategy and that's not really what I share or what I teach. So, um, I would say do exactly what you're doing as far as, you know, build up some type of list that people are aware of your product. They want the product that, you know, so obviously you're going out to that market and then letting them know, kind of like a Kickstarter. When we do launch, we're going to give it away at a discount. The discount might be 20%, you know, or something like that, or you'll be the first to receive or whatever. And then just throw some sales at Amazon and launch the product, have your, your listing optimized and, you know, it's pretty basic, really. It's not like, you know, we're not like trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're just doing things that Amazon want anyway. Um, and obviously run some pay-per-click, you know, and give Amazon yep. what they want. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, we could talk a whole hour on that. But all right. So what I want to do, though, here um, is I wanted to kind of uh, just talk briefly. And then I want to also talk about, like, you know, you have created some tools to kind of help you run an eight-figure business. Because I think, like you said, you started to see some uh, some struggles and things that you wanted that, uh, you know, you wanted to kind of simplify. So you started to build those in yourself. When I, I kind of like that too, that a lot of people that are selling tools, at least the good ones, they're usually created for themselves first. Um, and I yep. always love that. Um, but let me ask you this question, because I know a lot of people probably want to know if you were starting over today, Okay. In, in, you know, in, in the place that we are right now with Amazon, the way it is with, you know, eBay, the way it is with Walmart, the way it is all the different platforms. What would you do right now? Starting from scratch? 
You know, like what, what would be the first thing that you would say or any advice that you would give someone that's just starting? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, well, the first advice is, you know, I needed a lot of patience to build this business. Um, you know, it took me five years actually to get cash out of the business. And, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the, the, the category I'm in, electronics. Sure. It's a brutal, brutal category with huge investments and, and small margins. But, you know, I had a huge advantage starting in 2009. Um, so I think today, you know, you both need to be very informed about all of the, you know, kind of different uh, little th- it, what you can do today to make your business successful is really a collection of dozens or hundreds of little things um, that a lot of them are, you know, kind of the the modern digital equivalents of things that have, you know, been, mar- you know, marketing, uh, well understood marketing things for years. Sure. Um, but uh, you, need, you need quite a bit of patience, too, uh, because, um, you know, it, it is a, a market where a lot of the tricks uh, have been purged uh, from the market, which is good. Mm -hmm. Um, There are still a few, you know, kind of whatever you want to call them, bad actors out there, and you're Mm going to have to compete with them, um, which is which is frustrating, you know, when, you know, you're kind of faced with the choice of, okay, well, I could use a shortcut, uh, you know, to go get those first few reviews, you know, uh, you know, pay somebody via PayPal or whatever, which is what some of the, um, you know, some of the black hat sellers are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's a short timer strategy because, you know, almost, you know, Amazon is very erratic about their enforcement of things, but they are persistent, you know, mm-hmm. so over time they will get you. Um, <laughs> yes, they will. Yes, yeah. they will. Um, they, so they will the, win too, by the way, Bernie, they will win. And, and they will win. <laughs> no, that's, that's right. You know, and, and, uh, you know, actually, you know, playing off that, I mean, I think one of the things that we're constantly doing is, is kind of letting go of certain product categories. Okay. Um, you know, as Amazon basics comes in and, and dominates a, a, a sub area within, you know, our area, USB, uh, we let that go. And we say, we're not, unless we, we're not going to go head to head with Amazon basics. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're only going to go, um, at them when we've got, some sort of, you know, uh, game changing differentiation or whatever. Mm. Um, so, so I think there's a huge amount of opportunity. I think the, um, you know, the, what Amazon has done in terms of enabling small companies, uh, small brands to be able to reach a global market, um, nearly instantaneously. I mean, there's some tax and regulatory things that stand in the way of it that you really got to be prepared to absorb. But if you've got a great idea for a brand and a great set of product ideas sitting under that, um, this is an amazing platform uh, to make that those ideas reach the world. Um, but you do need that core of those good ideas that are not just me too, and they're not just purely opportunistic. I mean, you can be a bit opportunistic, that's good, but but not purely opportunistic. Mm. Um, and, and then you need persistence because it is, you know, it's a crowded world, it's a noisy world, uh, and there are a lot of things to learn here about marketing techniques within, you know, the digital world and within the uh, specifically the Amazon world. It's going to take you a while, you know, effectively all of us are testing all of the time, all the time, all the time, discovering things that don't work and things that do work and, and what, in which fall into which list is shifting over time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, that would be my advice is, you know, go for it. If you, if, you know, if this is, if you've got those ideas, um, but also, you know, be prepared that this, this isn't easy. Yeah, well, I I agree on all of that. Um, And the one thing that I would say, and what I think I heard you say earlier, and I just kind of want to highlight it for people, there's two things. 
and I think we're seeing this more and more moving into 2018 and beyond, uh, just with the update to brand registry. You know, it's now 2.0, yep. and they're saying that they want you to have a trademark on your brand in order to even get approved. Right. That wasn't the way it was before. And now they're also locking down some of the listings, not all of the listings, but some some can be locked down, which is good. But it's also showing me and, and us that they are starting to focus more on brand and yep. and and the power of the brand and what they're going to do for the brand um, and even give you some, some maybe some extra extra credit for what you do right. And then allowing you to have more reach and all of that stuff. So I think building a brand and also having that brand registered and all of that stuff and really focusing on that brand, I think that is the long term. And I think yes. the, the patience in that, Bernie, is, is really, like you said, and you keep saying, and I think that's what it has to be. You have to have that patience and you have to have the vision, and you have to have the plan, but you have to execute and you have to be willing to pivot and you have to be willing to let go of that one product that's not really doing what it was doing you know, a year ago, let that go or just not focus as much on it. And that kind of leads me into the next thing that I pulled away from what you were talking about. And that's products, like not just having one or two or three products. It's, it's having new products. It's having, uh, you know, multiple products that can serve. So this way here, you're not depending on just that. And like, I mean, so would you say that, cause I, I heard someone else say this and it made a lot of sense. If you have like a few products that are doing pretty good, would you say, you know, in your head, if you, if you said, you know, if I really focus on this product, I can maybe get it to, it's selling 20 a day. I can maybe get it to 30, but I'm going to have to really test my, my marketing. I'm going to really go ahead and maybe test some keywords. I got to do some more paper. Or would you say, just go find another product that could serve another part of the market and roll that out? Yeah, I think it sometimes it could be either answer depending on, uh, you know, how compelling that new product is versus the existing product. Uh, but I think it is, you know, to what you're describing, the, the attitude that I took once I made that shift to, to kind of going wide was I'm almost like a venture capitalist. Mm -hmm. I have I have no idea. I'm going to launch 10 products and I believe in every one of those 10 products or I wouldn't be doing them. But I know that the market's going to tell me a different story and that it actually, in fact, you know, maybe two of those products are going to be home runs and, you know, four of those products, I'll maybe do a few reorders, but they're never going to really take fire. And then, you know, and then a bunch of the others will just flop entirely. And, and I can't really, even to this day, you know, here I am, I'm, it's, it's 2018, I'm nine years into this. When I launch a product and I believe in that product, I to this day cannot predict uh, whether or not that product is going to be a raging success or mm. a complete failure failure. You know, we just got to take it to market and we got to put our best effort on it. So, so there, are, uh, you know, so then to answer your, your kind of second question in there, there are times where, um, you know, the, 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 there isn't that next product that is really jumping out at me at that moment that, God, I love that. And I really want to bring that to market or, or that idea. And so we do kind of focus on our existing set more for that period of time and, and really, you know, optimizing everything. And we're doing that anyway in the background, but, but, you know, maybe during that time we'll only do that. And then, you know, there's the, some technology shift where I realize, ah, there's this new type of product that's possible and we want to be first there. And then we'll kind of let that, let the existing products maybe ride a little bit more and, and, and steal a little bit of time from that uh, and focus on, on that new opportunity. So I, th I think it is a matter of, you know, it could be one or the other and it's based on kind of this, 
this very difficult subjective judgment of, you know, where does the opportunity lie? Does it lie in optimizing what I already have or does it lie in the new thing? Um, and you're going to do both. Um, but in that moment, which one do you prioritize? Uh, and you just got to you just got to, you know, make choices based on, you know, the, the evidence as you can judge it. Yeah, no. And, and that's it's exactly right. And, you know, I think like you're saying, because you have like a lot of SKUs, right? So at that point, you could also say, well, okay, let's pause on the product stuff right now because we, we already have enough stuff going here. We probably might even be neglecting a couple of products that we haven't been able to focus on. Let's go ahead and put you know some, some focus on those. I get that. I agree with that. Um, but I'm saying if you have like three products and you're like, you know what, I need at least, you know, 10 products here, you know, then I think you should be uh, pushing yourself to launch those new products versus trying to yep. squeeze out a little bit of those two or three that you have. But like you said, you're hundred percent right. Cause you, I mean, you're looking at like a whole slew of SKUs and I see a lot of people that when they get a lot of SKUs, then they get a little bit overwhelmed. Like, which one do I focus on? Uh, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, which one can I focus on? And I think you're right. Like you got to kind of, you got to look at the, the entire situation, but for a lot of people, they have one or two or three products and they're just thinking to themselves, man, I got to squeeze out a little bit more. I'd rather see them try to start thinking about that next one. I mean, honestly, they should have those next three or five already kind of mapped out and planned and working on or researching or what they're going to do, how they're going to you know configure it better, making adjustments, whatever. Um, but I just think that a lot of people get stuck on, let's just try to squeeze out five more sales and spend all this time when I could be just rolling out another product and probably do better. Um, so that, that was just my point on that, but, um, yeah, great. Yep. Okay. So brand and products, that's what we, uh, we settled on there. <laughs> all right. And then optimizing ones that obviously, uh, that, that could use it. Um, all right. So to wrap up here, let's talk about these tools that you created, um, for your business and then why, but then also we can talk about how people can learn more about them. So why don't you, why don't you get into that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we, uh, starting in by probably about 2010, uh, you know, realized, God, you know, in order to scale this business, we've got to do a lot of automation. And so we started doing it in house. Uh, and then about a year or two ago, uh, we released it as a, a tool set called efficientera.com. Um, and, uh, it's got a, because we did it for ourselves originally, you know, it's kind of a wide range of tools, but they're, they're really helpful in, uh, again, there's all these little things that you got to do well, uh, and we do all, a whole bunch of those little things. So a big set of the tools that have been around for a while are interesting. They're all about uh, you know spinning up the uh, product flywheel and kind of closing all the feedback loops with the customer. If the cus- if something negative is happening with the customer, like a negative review or negative seller feedback, catching that and interacting with the customer to try to mitigate it. On the positive side, if there's evidence of the customer having a good experience, we want to encourage a positive review. So there's a whole kind of complete tool set in there related to that. In fact, I even wrote a book about just the high level of that kind of customer service mindset called Flywheels and Feedback Loops, which is on Amazon, uh, self-published. And uh, people, you know, honestly, I tried to make the book really readable. And actually, uh, the feedback I've gotten from lots of people over the last year is they actually really love that book. So awesome. if, you're in, if you're interested in customer service from an Amazon-specific point of view, that's that's uh, might be a good book to get. Yeah, we'll definitely but, link that up for you, Bernie. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I actually, uh, I had the opportunity, uh, when we were at seller summit to, to go through it and, uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I love it that you're able to kind of focus on that because I think a lot of people don't realize they're, they're always thinking to themselves like, how do I get more reviews? How do I get a stronger seller's account? You do exactly what you're, you're saying here. So I love that. So yeah, I'll, I'll link that up in the show notes for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. So so a big chunk of the tools are, are related to that. But interestingly, with the email opt-outs and, and uh, you know, limitations on logging into Seller Central, Amazon themselves have actually gotten in the way of some of those things. Um, and then also, as we've been trying to solve the problems that we've been talking about in this, uh, you know, in this podcast of kind of leveraging our brand to build the brand, um, you know, we've been, you know, focusing a lot more on kind of marketing tools. So the Fishnera tools have a funnel manager, uh, which is uh, this thing I hinted at earlier, where, you know, as we're trying to gather email lists and build brand equity through email lists that we own, we want to have that be very connected and, and to know what it, what are those lists resulting in in terms of orders on Amazon? And mm-hmm. you know, Amazon you know has that as part of the API set that you can figure that out. Uh, and so you uh, you know, I described it earlier. You just upload your email list, you tag them so you know where you know where they came from sure. because you want to know kind of what is that subset audience uh, there. And then uh, you know we match that up to orders so that we could you know email those customers directly outside of the um, you know Amazon Marketplace uh, email system. Uh, you know, and, and potentially, you know, you know, you've described it well, Scott, that email list is basically, you know, this, this thing that you could retarget, you know, you mm-hmm. could target it at Amazon or, you know, if someday, you know, for whatever reason you want to drive that traffic to your own sales funnel, you can target that at your own sales funnel. Um, but we, you know, kind of connect that all together. So it's almost like an Amazon-focused CRM where you know what your customers are doing on Amazon, and you know while they're still, you know, your customers. Yeah, I love and then that. We ha- I love that. Yeah. And then we have uh, ad analysis. Um, so we have our ad manager that uh, uses again the uh, well used to be on MWS, and now it's the other uh, ad API set. Pulls all those reports in. Um, does keyword analysis and overall sales analysis, ACOS analysis over time, uh, and makes recommend recommendations like bid recommendations, bidding up, bidding down, uh, you know, on your campaigns. Um, and, uh, and then we got, uh, a lot of things where we're pulling in all of the Amazon data and letting you query it easily. Uh, so whether it's, uh, reviews, review changes, like when it, you know, you, you, you get a review, it looks like it's five star. And then three months later, they change it to one star. Um, we'll let you know about uh, things like that. And then all the order data and return data. Actually, return data is one of the things I've been really focused on lately. Um, you know, Amazon started initiating a, a, a process probably about a year and a half ago where they have what they call Andencord suspensions uh, that are return rate triggered, where they'll uh, suspend sales of your ASIN because the return rate popped up high. Yes, yes. Uh, you've, you've, you've had those guys? Yep, yep, seen it, yep. Yeah. So, you know, they're pretty easy to get it relisted. You know, they, they give you a form to fill out where you got to explain, you know, what you're doing better. But we have some products in electronics where the compatibility is complicated. So they keep getting suspended over and over again. That hurts sales a little bit. And then after a while, they will actually completely remove the product from FBA if the return rate stays high. And we've had that happen to some products. So we're now kind of late. And, and not only that, of course, I mean, we're really motivated about returns because we lose money on them, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. if you actually look at the cost structure of a return, it's brutal. I mean, a, a product with a 10% return rate, chances are you're losing money on that product. Interestingly, there are there is no report in Seller Central that will tell you what the return rates are uh, for all your products. Hmm. So we add so we added that to the efficient era tools. We've got a easy query, a return rate query, query which tells you exactly each product in each geography what the return rate is, and you can look at it over time or for certain time periods. 
So we just launched this feature, uh, and you know, I'm personally going through this data like crazy, you know, for my selling business, um, trying to scrutinize our high return rate products. Basically, I discovered that we're we're losing money on about out of our uh, over 100 products, we're losing money on about seven of them just based on return rate alone. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you want to dig into those reports? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you want to dig into those for sure. And it's crazy, you know, that Amazon cares a lot about return rate, but they don't make it easy. You know, they just don't have good reporting off of it. Yeah, Same thing strange. with promotions. Um, you know, uh, when you do a promotion or a coupon, uh, the data is associated with each order, but Amazon doesn't provide a great way to see how many times was my particular uh, promotion used mm. or how many times was this coupon used. Mm. So so we've got that in Efficient Era. Uh, we've got a promotion count and a, and a promotions report that will tie together everything and show you how often a coupon is used and which orders resulted from a coupon or promotion um, and everything searchable. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Sounds pretty robust. It's a lot of different features. You know, interestingly, you know, one of the things that we are, you know, focused on is is trying to turn this kind of into more of a, uh, a benefits-focused thing. Like, like we, uh, you know, we have a, a lot of um, content up on efficientera.com in our blog. You can kind of see all of our strategies we of how we use the tools ourselves to achieve particular advantages. Um, you know, but we were talking earlier about about marketing. I think one of our challenges is is turning uh, all this great functionality that really helps us be successful as sellers into something that is um, understandable, uh, you know, to other sellers mm. uh, so that they know how to use it. And, uh, you know, it's exactly like the challenge of launching a product um, that maybe the market doesn't understand yet. Uh, you know, you've got to translate it into terms that the, that the market can understand and you've got to market it. And uh, to some degree, uh, that's the challenge we also face with our, our tools for Amazon sellers. So it's kind of funny. I, I keep running into this, Scott. My weakness is marketing. I keep hearing that myself. <laughs> we're definitely, we're definitely going to have to sit down for sure. Because uh, that's, that's, that's what I enjoy probably the most is the marketing marketing end of things. That's why, uh, you know, I, 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 you probably know I started a new brand with a partner and it's, it's doing well. We're, we're already at six figures, uh, soon to be seven and, uh, really excited about it and That's doing great. exactly this. We're, we're, you know, we're building a brand, you know, and, um, you know, with the hopes of in the next, you know, three, three to five years, if we wanted to exit, we'd be able to exit if we wanted to, but right now we're not planning on it, but we're setting everything up so we could. Um, but yeah, we're, we're doing everything that we're talking about. It's like a brand and we are launching multiple products and we are serving a market and, you know, we're doing a really good job though. I think as far as the marketing, um, I've got a face to the business. Uh, it's not me, it's my partner, but you know, they're able to really connect with the marketplace as well, which is really helpful. But then in the background, you know, me and, and, and our team, we're able to really, you know, really uh, hunker down on, on the marketing side of things. And that's when things can get really exciting. And we just love testing this stuff. I think I love the climb uh, more than I love reaching the top. You know what I mean? Like I just love testing things and, um, and seeing what works. And I also like talking to people like you that, that are doing, you know, different things in different markets and seeing how they would relate to a market that I might be in. Um, yep. I just, I just love the process 
to be honest with you. And, and marketing is one of them that I definitely, I definitely love. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be, uh, we'll be chatting for sure. Are you going to seller summit this year? I didn't even ask you. I, I am. Yeah, I am. Oh, awesome. so I'll, see, I'll see you there again. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. So again, <laughs> I'll give a little shout out here to Steve Chu. If anybody is uh, interested, you can definitely go over to sellerssummit.com. Um, I don't even know if he has any tickets left, to be honest with you. I think the last I checked, he had a handful. So um, definitely go there if you're listening to this. And uh, it's before the event. It's a great event. Be my third time there. Uh, it's always great. People like you, Bernie, and uh, a lot of other great sellers. But um, yeah, guys, if you want to check it out, definitely check out the tool. What's the what's the address again that they would go to? So it's efficientera.com. And uh, we, I, I will do one marketing thing. Okay, cool. If, if, if you, you know, you sign up, we, we have a, you know, a 30 day free trial, but if you email us, uh, support at efficientera.com after you sign up and tell us what, uh, you know, what your account is and you mention Scott Volker or the amazing seller, we'll double that to 60 days. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's cool. So guys, I mean, 60 days, give it a shot, check out the tools. Um, to me, it's always, the tools to me are always like, if I can find something in a tool that's going to number one, make it easier for my business to grow, but then also automate some things um, and also see some stuff that I necessarily wouldn't be able to see unless I dug through like all of these reports, then it's definitely something that I would be interested in. And I am definitely interested in the tool myself. So I'll be playing around with it um, right along with everyone else. So definitely check it out. Um, Bernie's a great guy. Uh, Bernie, I want to thank you again for coming on. And uh, again, like I said to you at Seller Summit last year, um, it's just a pleasure chatting and being able to run elbows with someone that's been in the in the business for for quite a while and and growing and still learning so i just want to thank you for coming on and taking some time out of your day no oh, thanks so much for having me on it was lots of fun okay so that was pretty awesome right i mean to be able to sit down and really just talk through business with an eight-figure seller that didn't start out as an eight-figure seller by the way and you heard that from his story about how he started his business and kind of went in a different direction than was recommended by someone that he thought was a good idea, but I guess his plan kind of worked out a little bit better. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things you got to kind of trust your gut sometimes and then just go with it and just figure out a way to make it work. But the one thing I want to highlight is, you know, Bernie has been doing this for quite a few years now and he's learned so much through the process but he's also constantly learning and pivoting and also figuring out how he can really position his brand in the current market all right and i think we all can learn from that the one thing i also want to highlight is how he really talked about building a brand in the future is really where he sees it as well. And Amazon, I think, is going to cater those brands and those businesses in the future. It will be easier to launch products to, for those brands. It'll be easier to rank, all of that stuff. They're going to give a little extra credit, I think. And I I mean, Bernie said the same thing. So I would probably listen to Bernie because he's kind of been around the block a couple of times. So uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff there. So if you guys want to download the show notes, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 480. You'll get all of those links, all of the stuff that we talked about, the, the transcripts, the show notes, and 
I would definitely encourage you to go over and check out the suite of tools that Bernie had created because he needed them for his business. So now he's offering them to the public. Efficient Era. I made a link that will be easier than trying to remember that or even trying to remember how to spell that. So head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash Bernie and you can just drop on over there, check it out. But also you can probably get in touch with Bernie there if you got any questions or someone on his team. And he's also extending a 60-day trial for all TASers. So definitely go check it out. No strings attached. Love Bernie. Great guy. And I really appreciate him sharing all of his knowledge today. And I'm sure we'll have him back on because we could definitely dig even deeper. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap up this episode. I want to remind you once again that I am here for you. I believe in you. And I am rooting for you. But you have to. You have to. Come on. Say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Now go get them!